Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for 1 Peter chapter 3. The heading reads, Husbands and wives should honor each other. Saints should live by gospel standards. Christ preached unto the spirits in prison. Verse 1, Likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may make or they also may without the word be won by the conduct of the wives, while they behold your chaste conduct coupled with fear. Let your adorning not let your adorning be not that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man in the, of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner of in the old time, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. The Lord never sends apostles and prophets and righteous men to minister to his people without placing women of like spiritual stature at their sides. Adam stands as the great high priest under Christ to rule as a natural patriarch over all men of all ages, but he cannot rule alone. Eve, his wife, rules at his side, having like caliber and attainments to his own. Abraham is tested as many men have been when the Lord commands him to offer Isaac upon the altar, and Sarah struggles with like problems when the Lord directs that she withhold from the Egyptians her status as Abraham's wife. Isaac gains from the Lord the promise that his seed shall multiply as the stars of heaven, and Rebekah, his wife, receives a blessing of her own, in which she has promised that she shall be the mother of thousands of millions. And so it goes, in all dispensations and at all times, when there are holy men, there are also holy women. Neither stands alone before the Lord. The exaltation of the one is is dependent upon that of the other. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 6, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement, or dismay, or consternation. Verse 7, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. It is the duty of a husband to love, cherish, and nourish his wife, and cleave unto her and none else. He ought to honor her as himself, and he ought to regard her feelings with tenderness, for she is his flesh and his bone, designed to be an helpmeet, or an help unto him both in temporal and spiritual things, and one into whose bosom he can pour out or pour all his complaints without reserve, who is willing, being designed, to take part of his burden to soothe and encourage his feelings by her gentle voice. It is the place of the man to stand at the head of his family and be lord of his own house, not to rule over his wife as a tyrant, neither as one who is fearful or jealous that his wife will get out of her place and present him from exercising his authority. It is his duty to be a man of God, for a man of God is a man of wisdom, ready at all times to to obtain from the scriptures the revelations and from on high such instructions as are necessary for the edification and salvation of his household. And on the other hand, it is the duty of the wife to be in subjection to her husband at all times, not as a servant, neither as one who fears a tyrant or a master, but as one who is who in meekness and the love of God regards the laws and institutions of heaven and looks upon looks up to her husband for instruction, edification, and comfort. That was by Joseph Smith. 
Neither men or women are saved alone. Salvation is a family affair. The fullness of the blessings of the gospel come to men and women together. They grow out of the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. So at the end of the verse there, um, oh, I think I read that, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Yeah, I read that. This refers to the eternal nature of the marriage covenant, the grace of life. Verse 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil. When it says pitiful, it also, that also means tenderhearted or compassionate. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but con contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will not that for he, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew or turn away from or avoid evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue or pursue, follow eagerly it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, it, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, or reverence as holy the Lord, and be ready always to give an answer or a defense with meekness and fear, to every man that ask, asketh of you a reason for the hope that is in you. The true saints are an informed people. They know the doctrines of salvation and rejoice in the privilege of presenting them to their father's other children. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 16, Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conduct in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, that he might bring us to God, for which cause also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Thankfully, we have a modern revelation that explains what this is about, being preached to in the spirit prison. Salvation for the dead is the system whereunto those who would have accepted the gospel in this life had been permitted to, to hear it, had they been permitted to hear it, will have the chance to accept it in the spirit world and will then be entitled to all the blessings which passed them by in mortality. That was by Joseph Fielding Smith. In the realm of departed spirits, there are two divisions. Paradise, where the spirits of the righteous go to await the day when they shall come forth in the resurrection of the just, and hell, where the spirits of the, of the wicked go to be buffeted and tormented until the day when they shall come forth in the resurrection of the unjust. Our Lord did not go in person to the spirits in hell, where, which is the spirit prison of, as such. His ministry in the spirit world was among the righteous in paradise, but even these considered their disembodied state as one of bondage. Thus, the designation spirit prison may be said to have two meanings, hell, which is the prison proper, and the whole spirit world in the sense that all who are therein are restricted and cannot gain a fullness of joy until after the resurrection. The spirit world and the spirit prison are one and the same place. The general thought seems to be that the phrase spirit prison equates with hell or the place of torment. Such a conclusion, however, does not accord with Scripture. Peter tells us that upon his death Christ went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Joseph F. Smith said in his vision of the redemption of the dead tells us that Christ did not go to the ungodly or the unrepentant, but to a vast assembly of the righteous. These, he said, were rejoicing in the hour of their deliverance from the chains of death. The Revelation then says that the Son of God appeared, declaring liberty to the captives who had been faithful, the 
promise that the that the portion of death or that the prison of death, let me start that over, the promise that the prison of death would end comes to the righteous in and through Christ, who would redeem them from the dead. For the dead had looked upon the long absence of their spirits from their bodies as a bondage, and as long as they remained in that state, they could not have a fullness of joy. Until we are resurrected, we bear the burden of Adam's fall. We are prisoners of death, and hence the same spirit prison serves appropriately as a designation for the entire spirit world. Joseph Smith said, Hades, the Greek, or Sheol, the the Hebrew, these two significations mean a world of spirits. Hades, Sheol, paradise, spirits in prison are all one. It is a world of spirits. The righteous and the wicked all go to the same world of spirits until the resurrection. That was by Joseph Smith. In answers to gospel questions, um, Brigham Young said, it reads that the spirit world, or that the spirit goes to God who gave it. Let me render this scripture a little plainer. When the spirits leave their bodies, they are in the presence of our Father and God. They are prepared then to see, hear, and understand spiritual things. But where is the spirit world? It is incorporated within this celestial system. Can you see it with your natural eyes? No. Can you see spirits in this room? No. Suppose the Lord should touch your eyes that you might see. Could you then see the spirits? Yes, as plainly as you now see bodies, as did the servant of Elijah, if the Lord would permit it and it was his will that it should be done you could see the spirits that have departed from this world as plainly as you now see bodies with your natural eyes the prophet brigham young also said where is the spirit world it is right here do the good and evil spirits go together yes they do do they both inhabit the same kingdom yes they do do they go in do they go to the sun meaning s-o-n sun no do they go beyond the boundaries of this organized earth no they do not other prophets, seers and revelators, have taught life have taught the same truth. In keeping with the revelation that in one mouth or two or three witnesses shall every truth be established, I'd also like to quote from the prophet, seer, and revelator Parley P. Pratt. He made the following comment The spirit world is not the heaven where Jesus Christ, his father, and other beings dwell, who have been who have by resurrection or translation ascended to eternal mansions and have crowned and seated on thrones of power. As to the location of the of the post earthly spirit world, it is here on the very planet where we are where we were born. A veil is drawn between the one sphere and the others, whereby all the objects in the spiritual sphere are rendered invisible to those in the temporal sphere. So that was by uh, in the Rick's College Devotion by Daniel Ludlow. That was a quote by Parley Pratt. Anyway, that's the end of the rev, uh, end of the ch- no. It's not sorry. Verse twenty. Boy, I, I messed up there. Ten, nine, three, go. Verse 20, some of whom were disobedient in the days of Noah, while the long-suffering of God waited, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. These particular spirits, the souls of those who lived in Noah's day, were taught the gospel during their mortal probation. Their opportunity to believe and obey the truths of salvation came while they yet dwelt in mortality. Hence, even assuming they accept the truth in the spirit world, the highest inheritance available to them is the terrestrial kingdom. They are forever barred from that eternal life found only in the celestial kingdom of heaven. This limitation on the doctrine of salvation for the dead was revealed to Joseph Smith in the vision of the degrees of glory. Speaking of the terrestrial world, the Lord said, These are they who are the spirits of men kept in prison, whom the Son visited and preached the gospel unto them, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, who received not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh, but afterwards received it. There is no such thing as a second chance to gain salvation by accepting the gospel in the spirit world after spurning, declining, or refusing to accept it in this life. It is true that there may be a second chance to hear and 
and accept the gospel, but those who have that who have thus procrastinated their acceptance of the saving truths will not gain salvation in the celestial kingdom of God. The prophet Joseph said, All who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Also, all that shall die henceforth without a knowledge of it, who, sh- who would have received it with all their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom. For I, the Lord, will judge all men according to their works." according to the desire of their hearts. And that was again by Joseph Smith. This is the only revealed principle by means of which the laws pertaining to salvation for the dead can be made available to the lives of any persons. There is no promise in any revelation that those who would who have a fair and just opportunity in this life to accept the gospel and who do not do it will have another chance in the spirit world to gain salvation. On the contrary, there is, there is the express stipulation that men cannot be saved without accepting the gospel in this life if they are given opportunity to accept it. Verse 21. I hope there's not a whole lot of people in that situation. I hope that they uh, would have received it with alacrity had they been permitted to tarry. That's my hope anyway. Verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto unto him. So that's the end of the chapter, and I hope to see you next time. Bye.